tonight here at Ground Zero Ministries, we're going to talk about an area of step work, and um, it's talking about our inventory. Um, you know, it, it's important that we do inventories periodically, and you know, we see businesses do them. We, you know, are very much inconvenienced when we go into a grocery store or go into Walmart or go into a gas station and there's people in there with their little machines and they're counting things and you're trying to get into that department and you're trying to get something and they're trying to count and you know and they don't want to let you in there but it's important that they do those inventories because they need to know what they have or what they've lost you know, and so often in our lives, we don't even realize what we're still carrying. You know, as I've been working with people in recovery for a while now, I continue to come across, you know, grown men and women, you know, in 30s, 40s or, or above, and they're still having resentments that are tied back to pre-adolescence, pre-kindergarten. You know, there's events that took place you know, in those elementary years of their lives that are still affecting them as adults. You know, and a lot of times we say it's no big deal or I've dealt with it or I've, you know, I've processed it or I'm better or I've forgiven. But yet just coming close to that button and it seems like there's a reaction that is the contrary to what we might say. You know, a lot of times as Christians, because we know all the rules and we're really good at behavioral modification and we're good at saying what we're supposed to say, that it's very hard for us to be transparent. You know, or if we are transparent and someone gives us the cliches that we get real defensive or that's the reason that we don't say what we're supposed to say is because we know what people will say. Well, you don't have faith. You know, there was a big movement, and it's still around, you know, about healing. You know, if you didn't get healed and you didn't have enough faith, and and it's just nonsense. You know, it has nothing to do with our faith. It has everything to do with Jesus. You know, and a lot of times, you know, we have all these Christian rules, and we know how to play the game. We've become really good at playing the game. You know, and any time that we have bitterness or unforgiveness and we talk to somebody, you're like, well, you need to forgive. They're like, I have forgiven, you know, and we can instantly see the discord that's going on and the bitterness that lies underneath and the anger, you know. You know, so, you know, as we work steps here and, you know, we use the steps as a tool, you know, some of us are working on different books. You know, and a lot of you are working steps that you don't even realize you're working because I'm a ninja when it comes to this stuff. <laughs> you know, I, I give you guys books that really hit the principle because it's the principle that you need. It's not necessarily that I worked my 12 steps. Although I believe that, you know, there's elements of step work that there just isn't a book out there that's going to be as thorough as working, you know, steps the way they're supposed to be, you know, worked, in my opinion. You know, and there's a lot of different books, and I have some of you guys working on some of these books. 
and it's leading you up to the inevitable fourth step, you know, and <clears throat> you don't even realize it. Because the second I say step work, everyone's like, oh, no, not steps, you know, and, you know, and, you know, as I've been working in people recovery, you know, it's like this is how you get better. You know, this is what's been, you know, given to us as directions, you know, on how you overcome areas in your life. You know, and some of us are in recovery, you know, or overcoming substance abuse on many different levels, or we're in recovery of some other things, so you're more familiar with steps than some other people, you know. And, you know, for some of us that have been in program, you know, as we've been in, you know, Alcoholics Anonymous or Narcotics Anonymous, and we're dealing with you normal people that are in the world, you know, or in the church, you know, like they need to work steps. You know, it's common that any time that someone's jacked up in our lives, we we know that if you work steps that you would be better. You know, and but in reality, it's difficult. You know, it's a thorough process of healing that, you know, when your life's not on the line, you're not really willing to do what it takes to to find the freedom. You know, however, when we get tired going around the mountain enough, we decide that I'm willing to do something that I didn't really realize that I needed to do. You know, but, you know, tonight we're going to focus on step 10. You know, and, you know, out of the 12 steps, this is kind of down the road, but, you know, we've been discussing various things and topics and principles for weeks, you know, and step 10 is that we continue to take a personal inventory and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. You know, and I know for me that this was difficult. You know, I was and still can be very prideful. You know, and having to admit I'm wrong is not something that was easy for me, especially as a young man. You know, I would do everything I could to defend myself and to make excuses of why, you know, it was okay that I did whatever it is that I did or said. You know, but as I grew older and as I started really working steps, I realized that I didn't have that luxury to carry around the amount of baggage that I used to carry around. You know, it's it's amazing the amount of baggage that we can carry because we just keep stuffing it and keep moving. Now, you've heard me say that I believe that denial is a God-given thing because most of us dealt with traumas, you know, in our younger years that we weren't mentally or emotionally or spiritually capable of handling, and we were able to put it in the denial closet until later years where we were, you know, probably in more pain than we knew what to deal with, and we started to have to really dig things out. See, I think that denial served a purpose, but we also realized that we could stuff stuff in there, and we put more stuff in our denial closet than we were supposed to till the point where it was overflowing. You know, I remember as a young kid, I had this gigantic room, and there was this corner closet. And every once in a while, my mom would say, you need to clean your room. 
well, I would just hide everything behind the bed or stuff it in that closet. And she would come to the door and look at my room, and it would be technically clean from that standpoint. But it wasn't clean. I just kind of moved stuff around. And then one day, one of my mom's boyfriends said, clean your room, and I did the same thing. Well, he came in and investigated my room, and it was very clear that it was not clean. And he told me to clean my room, and I got really mad. Because my trick had worked up to that point. But now I had to thoroughly clean my room. And he was going to be paying attention to me. See, I think that, you know, I know I have done that for the majority of my years. Until I got to a place where the pain was so overwhelming that I had to face the fear. You know, and as I grew, you know, I started to recognize patterns. You know, if we've been working steps or, you know, I talk about the blueprint. You know, there's a blueprint of why I continue to do what I do. You know, how often have we been living this crazy thing called life and, you know, we end up in certain situations or places and we're like, why is this happening to me again? You know, I thought I dealt with this. Why is this? Why is that? This isn't fair, you know. But there's patterns. There's patterns of why I continue to attract the same type of people. Many times we've dated the same people. They just have different faces. You know, why do I keep having the same interactions with people? Why do I still find the same types of people offensive? Why do I keep getting in arguments with those types of people? Why do I struggle with, you know, controlling people? You know, there's various reasons of why, you know, we find ourselves in these same situations. You know, I was in my 30s, and now I'm technically sober and I'm saved. You know, and I'm trying to lead this ministry when I just had a a few minutes sober and, you know, a little bit of Jesus. And I really struggled with the secretaries at the church because they were overly controlling. And my response to overly controlling people is to, like, watch me do things that you can't control. You know, and here I am trying to figure out how this works with Jesus and constantly trying to, to rebel against the controlling, you know, person. And I realized in my 30s that I'm having a response to this woman I barely know that is totally rude in my childhood because my grandmother was extremely controlling. And the reason that I've struggled with controlling women my entire life is because I had a grandmother that was extremely controlling in my childhood. Now, I have a, a different response, and I'm able to handle it. It doesn't. I don't like it. It makes my you know flesh and skin crawl at times, but I'm mature enough in Christ that I handle it far better than I used to. But I still have a tendency to poke the bear every now and again because that's just who I am. <clears throat> we haven't dug it all out yet, I guess. But, you know, we all have patterns. You know, when certain people come over, like relatives that we love so much, anxiety starts to happen. Why? Because there's there's stuff that's still in there, you know. Why do I like certain things? Or why do I attract certain types of people? You know, why do I stay away from other types of people? You know, why do I handle this this way and that that way? You know, you know how many times have, you know, 
our bank accounts had to have, you know, the, you know, the direct deposit, you know, gets kicked out for some reason, or, you know, they have to, to give us the overdraft protection because we, we spent too much money on coffee. You know, I remember in my early twenties, I spent a hundred dollars on a pot of coffee because I wasn't paying attention to my bank account. And I went to Dunkin', I bought a coffee, cup of coffee. It cost me $35 plus the cup of coffee. And I did that four times in a row, not realizing that my bank account was, you know, overdrafted. And next thing you know, I have four charges of $35 overdrafts on four cups of coffee. And I'm complaining to the institution, like, you should know that. I'm like, you shouldn't do that. You should know that that's dumb. That's my responsibility. But as a young man, I didn't want to take responsibility for some of these things. I just wanted to do whatever I wanted to do. Now, you know, as I've, you know, worked my steps and as I've, you know, learned the principles in recovery, you know, that I'm powerless over people and, and I'm powerless over addiction and I'm powerless over this and I'm powerless over that. And any time that I try to take power where I'm not supposed to have power, my life instantly gets unmanageable. And realizing the only thing that can bring back balance is a belief in a, a, a Jesus Christ, really. You know, a power greater than myself is what they would say. But in reality, it's a relationship with Jesus Christ that gives me this understanding that he's in the one with the power. And if I do things his way, I have peace. You know, and he can restore my life and restore my mind and restore my lot, you know, relationships and restore all sorts of things. Because why? He's a loving God. You know, and through that, I realize that this is a, a God I can turn my will over to, but I'll still wrestle with him and fight with him and try to take it back anytime I can. Why? Because I don't know how to trust. And it's through releasing control, trusting in him, turning and surrendering my life, that I begin to start this process where I'm really willing to do, you know, a moral inventory where I dig out all the junk. You know, and this is where you really begin to identify some of the the things that we continue to do and we don't know why, you know. And we start to look at all the pain and we start to, you know, begin to offer forgiveness to people that have, you know, hurt us. But one thing that I realized when I first did mine, even prior to Jesus, is that everything in my life was fear-based, which pissed me off, you know, because I'm man, I shouldn't be afraid all the time. But in reality, in my mid-20s, I can date everything that's going on in my life and why I reacted the way I reacted to fear. You know, and I didn't like it. You know, and I've been afraid my entire life. You know, and even into my 30s, even into several years walking with Jesus, fear was a primary issue for me. And it's why I couldn't trust him. You know, and he always took me through different situations where I had to trust him because he was uprooting this fear-based wound that's been in there since I was a young kid. You know, and as I worked on all this stuff with Jesus, he began to show me the more time I spend with him, the more inspiration and wisdom and freedom and healing that I'm going to have. You know, so, you know, are we really spending time with God? You know, are we reserving a time? You know, for self-examination, 
spending time in our word, you know, what is his will for our lives and praying for the power to do that? Or are we, you know, going through the motions of our Christianity by going to church and watching, you know, Joyce Myers and the variety of different Christian television. I think some of it's good and I think some of it's trash, you know, and that's my opinion and you can have yours too. But in reality, the amount of time that we spend in our word far superior than anything that we hear, you know, podcasts or YouTube or TV or, you know, I think that it's important that we're in our local church and I think that it's important that we're in our word. But I knew for me, you know, right off the get-go, you know, that I needed to be in meetings every day because I had this issue with drugs and alcohol. You know, I knew when I skipped meetings that the probability of me relapsing was higher. So I knew when I got to Christianity, an hour a week on a Sunday wasn't enough for me to stay sober. That I needed to figure out this Jesus stuff. You know, so I was going to church here and there, and I was going to Bible study, and I was going to a small group, and I was having people over my house, and because I needed to be around it more, you know, which I didn't want to do, but I knew that if I was to have any sort of breakthrough, that I needed to get around it as much as possible. You know, and I didn't want <laughs> my sin to be exposed. I didn't want people to, to have the permission to speak to me in areas that I wanted to continue to sin. You know, and eventually my, my immorality took me out. You know, and when I came back, you know, after a little hiatus in the wilderness, you know, I realized that I needed to stay out of relationships because... You know, it wasn't relationships that make me use. It's the emotions that I can't control. And I've learned that if I do X, Y, Z, then I can turn off the emotions, at least for a moment. I can turn off my crazy for just a second. You know, and I realize that I get really crazy when I'm in relationships that end up going, you know, south or they're out of my control. You know, and I realize that, you know, this is part of who I am. You know, as I've worked on my stuff, I realize that there's layers to me. And as I've worked with other people, I realize that there's layers to most of us. You know, we have to get rid of substances, you know, drugs and alcohol, if we're ever going to be able to develop a relationship with Jesus or work on ourselves on any level. Now, some of you don't have drug and alcohol issues, you know, but we have other issues, you know. As I, I learned that most of us, if not all of us, have severe codependency issues. You know, and <clears throat> it's deep rooted. You know, it affects every relationship we're in. And we gravitate to the areas that we can be part of the, the crazy cycle that, you know, fits our, our normal. You know, and if we predate that, we go back and we learn some of this stuff from our parents. You know, and it's the same cycles around and around and around. You know, and as you peel back the codependency, what's under there is the relationship issues. What's under the relationship issues is sexual issues. Most of us, you know, our first initial addiction is sexual. Now, it's not 100%. You know, there is no 100%. You know, I know people that were using drugs before they ever hit puberty. You know, I know people that were smoking cigarettes at six years old. You know what I mean? Like... There is no normal. You know, everything's crazy in this thing called life. 
you know, how we've developed ways to sin is not new to God. You know, we've all ventured down paths that we shouldn't have long before we were supposed to. You know, but normal, if there is such a thing, is that, you know, we had sexual things awakened in us when we were younger. You know, and how we found attention and how we found attraction and how we got into relationships are all, you know, sexual based. And then everything from our family poured into our ability to have relationships and codependency spun out of control. And because everything's crazy, you know, eventually, hey, take a sip of this or smoke that. And some of us went crazy, you know, before we ever made it out of high school. You know, and as we, you know, get saved and sober and and are starting to work on these areas in our lives, you know, how do you make sense of it all? You know. I remember being brand new to the Lord and, and I'm trying to figure out God's will and God's voice and I'm trying to read the Bible and it doesn't make sense. And, you know, people are telling me about spiritual warfare and I'm like, you know, the devil's trying to get me. I'm like, I was like really confused on how this, this worked. And I'm like, I've been walking in this stuff my entire life. You know, but, you know, God showed me, you know, the fruits of the Spirit as a way to navigate most of the things in life. You know, and it became a filter for me that if I'm thinking or I'm about to say or or I'm feeling something, you know, does it match the fruit of the Spirit? You know, if it does, then it's God. If it doesn't, then it's me or the enemy, and I need to deny that. You know, and this is also a great way to do an inventory. You know, if I'm going through my day, you know, and, and I'm out of balance in some way, shape, or form, that the fruits of spirit are going to show me that either I'm operating in one of those fruits or I'm far from one of those fruits. You know, in Galatians 5:22 and 23, where the fruits of the spirit are, it says love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You know, this isn't a checklist. Like, yep, did it. Check, 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 check. You know, like this is a fruit. This is stuff that just is supposed to naturally come out of us. However, you know, it's it's not always what's deep inside of us. You know that. You know, I can get angry really quickly when I'm following people on the highway, and I don't have peace. I don't have patience. I want to ram them with my truck, and this is going to be a common thing because I'm driving home to get here as I get out of work, and there's people in the wrong lane going way too slow. And I'm like, you don't even understand how to drive. You know, however, I would say that this week was far better than last week. So I must have spent a little bit more time with Jesus this week because I didn't want to kill the person this week. I just wanted them to just move over. So, you know, I'm growing with Jesus. Maybe. I still think putting a plow on an M60 on my truck would be an amazing thing. Anyway. But did I show love? Or was I unloving? You know, these are ways to, you know, interactions with people. You know, are we being people-y? You know, know, the family is the ones that are easiest to be able to push our buttons. You know, and... You know, do I have joy? Do I have peace? 
Am I patient? Am I being kind? Am I being a good person? Am I faithful? Am I being gentle? Do I have self-control? You know, and these are different ways that, you know, I've been able to arrest thoughts and bring them back to the obedience of Christ. This is how I've been able to, you know, go through emotions and realize that my feelings aren't factual and if I respond to this emotion then I'm going to be out of, out of balance, out of control. You know, or am I losing it on a regular, you know, basis? You know, am I able to trust God in the midst of my emotions? You know, and this is, you know, a good way to, to test, you know, ourselves throughout the day. It, you know, are we able to, to bring this stuff into alignment with God? You know, or are we completely out of control? You know, I think that God has a funny way of humbling us on a regular basis. <clears throat> you know, something I learned many years ago is that patience and humility are lessons that I have to relearn every day. You know, I can be impatient in a moment. You know, I can be rude or crude or prideful in a moment. You know, and I have to, to allow patience and I have to allow humility to, to constantly be teaching me, you know, how to handle situations. I don't ever have it. It's something that I, I have to re-grasp, you know, with each new situation. You know, or I live in this area of denial and, pride and I get out of control pretty easily but through you know spending time with the Lord you know he guides us to make these choices that aren't emotional you know that we can make you know decisions instead of having reactions you know am I participating in life or am I just responding to everything that comes my way you know I know that for me, I used to react to everything. You know, you would do this and I would do that. You would say this and then I would say that. You know, it was constantly, you know, it's like playing chess or checkers. You know, you move, I move. You say, I say. You know, it's like, and I've learned that it's it's far better to stay quiet and process what's going on around me before I say things or do things. You know, and... You know, it was difficult for me, you know, because I was quick to, to, to jump into things. I was quick to say truth. I was quick to, to be sarcastic. I was quick to, to be rude or, or, or critical, you know, and as I needed to work on these areas of my life and work on grace, you know, the Lord told me to, to be silent, you know, and I realized that the more I'm silent, that the criticalness that I would normally say in a moment gets processed through and I realize that I shouldn't say those things. You know, many years ago, you know, the Lord gave me a little piece of wisdom, you know, and that there's no condemnation in Christ. Well, yeah, Tom, brilliant. No, that there's no condemnation in Christ. So if my words are going to bring condemnation to you, then that's not Christ. You know, and I started to realize that it's very important what I say. Am I speaking life into someone or am I trying to tear them down? Now, my whole life I was told and taught how to tear down. I wasn't taught and told how to build up. You know, so I I try to catch it. I try to think and process and pray before I say 
certain things. You know, because I watch sometimes that when I say th things the wrong way, it makes a response in that person. And I'm like, ooh, that wasn't what I intended. However, the fruit of what I what comes back to me after what I say isn't Christ-like. So if I can't say something without bringing condemnation to someone, that isn't Christ. You know, and it was important for me to begin to bridle my tongue. You know, and it and it's not easy. You know, as we've been hearing uh, on the book of James, you know, lately, and, and there's a lot of difficult truths in there. You know, but it's important that we are trying to grow daily. You know, are we spending time with Jesus daily or is it an afterthought? Or, you know, it's like we throw up Hail Marys to try to, to get us out of certain things. You know, see, instead of trying to control every situation or every person that we come in contact or spinning and manipulating things, you know, are we able to really control ourselves? Because so often if we could have self-control, most of the scenarios that are we get on ourselves in that go out of control would be, you know, next to nothing. You know, am I able to ex exhibit that self-control? You know, am I able to turn things over to God so that I don't do and say things that I'm not supposed to? You know, and self-under control is what we're really seeking, but self-under God's control is what we really desire. You know, how how amazing would it be if we were all just completely 100% obedient? Now, I know that's not possible. It's not, I'm not, I can't even do it. You know, I can't anticipate, you know, all of us doing it. But I desire to be more obedient than I used to be. Or I, I desire to be more obedient than I am now. Because I want what God wants. I realize what Tom wants, it doesn't amount to, to anything but chaos. You know, and what we see in Matthew 22, 37 through 40 is that Jesus says, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. This is the first of the greatest commandments, and the second one is like it, to love your neighbor as yourself. The law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. You know, and I don't know about you, I wasn't real good at loving. You know. I didn't know how to love God. I, most of my life, I didn't realize that he was existing. But, you know, I started to grow in an understanding and a belief in him, but I didn't know how to love him. You know, and I certainly didn't know how to love myself. So to love my neighbor, you know, and Jesus even takes it further in Scripture to love my enemy. Like, I have no concept of what love is until I grew in an understanding of who Jesus was and who we, and what he did for me. And that is the, the definition of love. It started to help me to, to love him back because he first loved me. And he loved me in spite of me. He loved me, you know, even when I made mistakes. He, he loves me still when I make mistakes. You know, and it's this process that I learned to love him, which then in turn helped me to love myself, which then gave me the grace, the empowerment, to begin to love other people, you know, and it's something that we have to constantly work on. I don't think that, you know, there's times that people just rub us the wrong way and we don't know how to love them because of we look at their, who they are. 
You know, but Jesus looked at us as, as messy people, notorious sinners or scum, as the, the religious peoples would say, you know, and he loved us. You know, and, and we're learning how to love ourselves and we're learning how to love the people around us. You know, as we put these principles in action, you know, slowly we become more like Christ. You know, far too often, you know, we, we mark us as believers is because we go to church. You know, and I remember at the beginning of my walk with him, I didn't want to be known as someone that just went to church. That if this wasn't real and this wasn't changing me, I didn't want it. You know, and I had to make some tough decisions because people that I used to run with started criticizing and judging me because I was now going to church. But I didn't want that to be what I was known for. I wanted to be known because my life was changed because of Jesus. And still to this day, you know, I run into some of my old friends and they're like, hey, you still doing that priest thing? And I'm like, no, yeah, sort of, you know, and I just try to love on them. You know, there's all sorts of things that are thrown at me, all sorts of criticisms, all sorts of judgments, all sorts of jokes, and I just try to roll with it. I try not to get offended. I try not to be critical. I try not to, to, to judge them. You know, I try to love them to the best of my ability for where they're at because they don't know, you know, who Jesus is, you know. And like I was saying last week, is that I didn't want to come to church, but I ran into Jesus. You know, and it's that relationship, you know, that, that began to change my life. You know, and it's important that we, we allow this relationship with Jesus to be the Bible that other people read. As they read us, as it might be the only Bible that they, they come in contact with. You know, Paul writes in 1 Thessalonians 1.5, it says, Our very lives will further be the proof and the truth of our message. You know, it's so often we're known by the things that we don't like or, you know, the things that we don't do. You know, and, you know, we take certain stances. You know, that it's important that we take some of those stances but I think it's more important that we're known by our love because that's what Jesus said that we'd be known by. You know, that we would be known by our ability to love the unlovable. You know, because he loved us when we were unlovable. You know, so this is how God's truth is shown in our lives is we, you know, are loving on people, but yet are quick to share our testimony or quick to, to speak the truth. Now, I try to, to navigate away from certain topics because they're always hot-button issues with people that don't understand Christ or doesn't want anything to do with the Lord. You know, and they gravitate to some of these arguments real quickly. You know, and I'll try to avoid them, but when they bring these things up, then I have to answer. So, well, the Bible says, you know, this. Or the Bible says, don't do that. Well, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, I'm not God. I didn't make it up. <laughs> you know, all I know is that I developed a relationship with Jesus. He changed my life. I read the book. This is what the book says. I didn't make up this stuff. Well, do you believe in that? Well, I believe in him. And because I believe in him, now I do believe in that. 
and people don't like to hear it. You know, but we have to defend, you know, ourselves, or do we defend him? We don't have to do either. Jesus doesn't need us to defend him. You know, and so often we think that they're challenging us in our faith, when a lot of times we just have to say, this is what it says. You know, they have to deal with it. They don't like it. They can take that up with him. You know, as many of us didn't like some of the stuff that we're doing now. You know, well, you're a sinner. Like, yeah, I do it often. You know what I mean? But, you know, I didn't want to hear certain things when people pointed out my sin. You know, but it's important that we realize that we go through our day that there's times that we can start out the day and we do devotions, we got the music playing, we got a nice cup of coffee, we're ready to go. By the time we even get to work or noon, we are far from Jesus. Now, I know none of you guys really struggle with that, but I know that there's times that I'm just like, you know, it would be easier to, to handle situations the way that I used to. You know, and this is how it's important that we are able to pull ourselves back. I remember when I was in early recovery and people would say, well, you can restart your day anytime you want. And I'm like, I'm going to punch you in the face if you say that again. But I've learned today that I can have peace anytime I want. It's a choice. You know, I can stay in a mindset where I don't have peace or I'm angry or I'm bitter. You know, I'm in various moods. Or I can hang on to peace. And how do I get there? Well, you know, the way to get there for me is through Jesus. You know, so I pray or let go or process or let go, surrender, whatever it is that I need to, to so that I can have peace in my mind. You know, and it isn't always easy. Sometimes you're working with somebody that's stealing your peace, you know, and you have to be constantly talking to Jesus and letting things go because, you know, you just might want to throw a rock at them. <clears throat> And since they work in a stone quarry now, there's lots of them. <laughs> but you may want to throw other things at people, and we're not supposed to. You know, I remember as a young man and the amount of anger that I had on a regular basis that I lived in such a state of chaos that there was no peace. You know, and now that Jesus has given it to me, and I understand it. I guard that thing to the best of my ability because I, I don't want to be in those old mindsets. I don't want to be in a place of depression. I don't want a place of bitterness. I don't want a place of anger. I don't want a place of lust. I don't want to be, you know, and, and there's a variety of different things, you know, that we may struggle with throughout the day. Or how do I get Jesus into this situation and bring peace into my mind and into my heart? You know, and sometimes I have to stop and say, all right, I got to let go of this because I'm starting to grab a hold of something that I don't want to, and it keeps taking me, and I set it down, and I grab a hold of it, and I set it down, and I grab a hold of it, and I set it down, and I grab a hold of it. And finally, I'm like, all right, enough. You know, and I remember the one of the things that used to get me out of, out of balance real fast was, you know, worrying about money. You know, thinking about money. How am I going to pay this? How am I going to pay this? And I just have to, God keeps providing. you got to let go of how it's going to happen. You know, and I would worry about money, worry about money, worry about money. I'm like, nope, let go. Trust God. Worry about money. And it's like and the second I'd start worrying about money, I could find myself getting real angry. You know, and then all the scenarios of, of wanting to quit and wanting to run and wanting, you know, all the fear starts to, 
And I started to recognize that the path to all that craziness starts with allowing the thought of money to creep in too prominently. Now, it's important that we think about it, and it's important that we manage it, and it's important that we have it. But obsessing about it drives me crazy. And now I, I just don't think about it. When anything comes my way, I'm like, I don't know how God keeps providing. I don't know how we're going to get to this next one. And it might be a rocky road for a minute, but God seems to always provide a way through all of these things. You know, so now anytime these things happen, I can just say hot potato with it and throw it back at them. They're like, this is your issue. You know, you're the one that has to provide, you know. Now, that doesn't mean that I can be a horrible steward and he's just going to pay all my bills. You know, there's balance in this stuff. You know, so if I'm out of balance, you know, this is also an inventory that I need to take and realize that, you know, I can't be doing all this crazy stuff with my money and then saying, God, you need to provide. You know, like he is providing and I'm just, you know, frivolously spending it. You know, so there's various different ways that inventories are important. And I think that the more that we're doing it, you know, it helps us to, to really realize, you know, these areas that are out of control or in control in a positive way. You know, there's different ways that you can do daily inventories. You know, at the end of each day is the one that I use the most. You know, I'll lay my head down on the pillow and I'll examine my day. And I'll talk to Jesus and say, Jesus, thank you. Thank you for using me. Thank you for this. Thank you for that. You know, and then I, I try to say, Lord, you know, is there anywhere that I've been out of balance? And I try to open my you know, ears to let him speak to me in areas that, you know, I, I may need to change or need to, you know, correct the next day, you know, and, but usually, you know, as I'm interacting with the Lord throughout the day, I can't get real far from a time that I've acted out in a way that I shouldn't without the Holy Spirit kicking in and saying, you need to go apologize for that. Like, I don't want to apologize for that. But I know that if I let my pride make that next decision, and if I let it go too far, then I'll justify why I don't need to do it. You know, so I try to react as fast as possible, you know, if I've, you know, said or did something that, you know, I need to apologize for. Now, do I miss it? Sure. You know, I'm human. But, you know, if you're around me, you know, you've probably heard me apologize for one thing or another. I mean, if I owe you an apology, then come talk to me and we can chat. You know, but normally the Lord is real good to let me know when I've missed it. You know, and I think that every one of us in here can say that, you know, he does a pretty good job of letting us know then when we said or did something. It's our, you know, job to respond to that and apologize or do or say or, you know, or, or make things right. You know, and I think the more promptly we we address it, the easier it is. You know, I know that I've, you know, said things and, and done things, and I'm, you know, I've had to, to go right back and say, I'm sorry, I, I didn't mean that. I'm sorry I said that. You know, I'll, I'll watch what I say. I won't do that again. Or, you know, or, or later on the Lord says, hey, you shouldn't have said that. And I've said, hey, I'm sorry I said that. And a lot of times people are like, hey, it's not a big deal. And I'm like, no, well. Jesus thought it was, so I need to watch what I'm saying. And there's, you know, 
a periodic inventory, which I think is also an extremely important thing to do. You know, when we first get sober or we first start walking with the Lord, you know, those first weeks, months, years, you know, are very prominent. You know, there's a lot of change happening very fast. You know, and for me, it's, you know, I've used holidays and times of the year to help me to remember where I was. You know, so for me, my year starts in April because that's when I got sober. So every April, I I, I reminisce of where I've come from. But my birthday's in June, then the 4th of July, you know, and then Labor Day. And then, you know, there's various different holidays. You know, then we're on to, you know, Thanksgiving. Then we're on to Christmas. Then we're on to New Year's. Then we're on to Valentine's Day, still singles. Yay, love this holiday. You know, then St. Patrick's Day. Yay, I love this holiday, not drinking. You know, and, you know, and then my birthday, or April, and then my birthday. You know, and it's like, I always remember where I was on certain days. You know, even in my oblivion when I was using all the time, that I always knew where I, you know, last Thanksgiving we were doing this, or last, you know, St. Patrick's Day we're doing, or last Halloween we're doing, the last New Year's we're you always kind of remembered where you were, or even when you didn't remember much, you know. So now, as we're walking with Lord, you know, last week I was saying, where were you when you first got saved? You know, and some of you reached out to me and said, wow, you know, look at, you know, this and this and this and that. You know, and then, you know, where were you last year, you know, at this time of year? You know, you know, starting school, some of you, not starting school, some of us. <laughs> You know, you know, it's just another September. You know, some of us, you know, a lot of things have happened in the last year. You know, where were you a year ago? Where were you six months ago? Where were you three months ago? You know, you know, a lot of things have changed. So, you know, for me, when I I come across one of these days, I always kind of think of where I was. You know, am I growing with the Lord or am I still stuck in some place? You know, am I still growing? You know, am I still challenged by it or do I have victory? You know, and I think that it's important that we periodically look back at some of these, you know, markers in, in our lives to see how far we've come. You know, a lot's changed. Some things haven't. Why aren't they changing? You know, maybe we gotta to process and, and let Jesus into certain areas to see why some things aren't changing even though we, we know we're supposed to be. You know, what's what needs to be different? What needs to be surrendered? What needs to start happening? What do I need to start doing? What do I need to stop doing? You know, where could we be, you know, if we got into our Bibles and pressed in and prayed and said, Lord, where could you take me by the time New Year's? Or I don't read my Bible and I just keep going through the motions and I get to New Year's and I'm like, wee, New Year. I think some of us will be just happy when 2020 is over, but I don't think that 2021 is going to be much different. Like, how can you say that? Well, we were coming into 2020 all excited. Yeah. Yay, New Year. It's going to be vision. 2020, we get to see what God's going to do. And then COVID. COVID's like 19. We're going back a year. 
you know, I think any of us would have anticipated this year. We would not have thought that this would be the year. You know, there's been a lot of things that have happened this year that I know I'm personally surprised that it's happened. You know, you know, and some of us make light of it, but it, when Tiger King is the least craziest thing a part of your year, you, <laughs> you know you're in for it. When that's like, that's normal. You know, and it's funny, you know, that's at the beginning of the, you know, when all this craziness started. I mean, we're what, four or five months into, you know, quarantine when it was supposed to be two weeks long? You know, and things are crazy. Our our nation is out of control. Certain cities, I mean, I'm glad we live in a tiny little city that's somewhat peaceful. I could not imagine living in some of these places that are just in constant turmoil. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do well. I just know that. I would have to get out of the city or I would get arrested. You know, and I'm grateful, you know, even, you know, as I've been saying that I'm tired of living in the city, I'm tired of living in the city, I'm tired of living in the city. You know, now I spend the majority of my weeks on top of a mountain, you know, and I look outside and I see stars, you know, there's very little light pollution. And I'm like, thank you, Jesus. You know, and I can't wait to one day that I have a porch and I can sit on my porch and in a rocking chair with my dog and I get to look out and... And just be like, I don't live in the city anymore. It's amazing. Because I've been over the city for a while now. You know, and soon one day, you know, I can look back at the time that I spent in this wonderful place called Utica. And uh, it will be a memory. And it won't be happening as I speak. But anyway, as we move on. You know, I, I think that we look at some of these periodical changes. You know, you know, where were you last summer? Where were you last fall? What has changed? Some things good, some things bad, some things still need to get worked on. You know, and for me, these are the ways that I, I check my growth and, and check my slides because you know we have a tendency to slide and, and, and check the places that are stagnant. Um, you're doing the same exact thing that you're not supposed to be doing a year ago. Thanks, Jesus. I really appreciate that one. Let's, we're going to work on it this year, right? Like, yep, and then not do it. <laughs> you know, we've all had it, right? You know, maybe this is going to be the year. Maybe this is going to be, you know, when, but when we get, re, you know, we give ourselves a reality check and saying, how long has it been since I didn't work on this? How long have I been hearing the Holy Spirit say it's time to work on this? Like, oh, man, it's been a while. You know, how many years am I going to go around the mountain? You know, or is it an 11-day trip? You know, it's like, ah, jeez. Thanks, Jesus. You know, but it's important that we, you know, are are spending time with the Lord and getting real with ourselves. You know, and I think it's important that we're getting real with Jesus. And when necessary, we allow accountability partners in and say, hey, you know, I'm stuck in this area and I just want you to know this is something that the Lord is really telling me I need to work on and uh, try to hold me accountable even though I don't want to do it, <laughs> you know, because that's not always fun. But accountable for me is that when you ask me to be an accountability partner is that you check in with me. I'm not chasing you around because that's the old school religion that I need to chase you to make you to get you to behave and it, you know, I tell you that you need to do this and you need to do that. You know what? It doesn't work. 
only when we come to Jesus and say, hey, forgive me of this, let me, you know, start doing this, the things begin to change. So when, you know, accountability partners for me is when, you know, you're saying, hey, I want to be held accountable to this, and then you actually talk to the person that you're actually wanting to, to, you know, have to be your accountability partner. So often it's like, hey, Tom, will you be my sponsor? Sure. And then I don't ever hear from them again. Like, they get to go to treatment and check the box. They got a sponsor. Like, I'm not chasing you down. You know, I got a thousand sponsees. You know, how many did talk to me? Two. You know what I mean? You know what? I'm going to work with the two. I'm not going to chase the other 900. You know, that's just a waste of everybody's time. You know, I've learned through the years that addicts are the best Kenyans, apart from Kenyans, that there is. You know, we are built-in runners. So the second I try to chase any of them, they're just going to take off. And I'm like, I'm fat. I don't want to do that. You know, I'm not chasing nobody. You know, I sit still. You know, I, you know, I've learned that the best thing that I can do is that I live in the same place. I have the phone number, same phone number. My life is basically like a machine. I know where I'm going to be Sunday, Friday, and majority of, you know, you know, if you want to get a hold of me, it's not real hard. You know, most of the city can get a hold of Tattoo Dom if they need to. You know what I mean? Well, can I give you my number? It's basically public knowledge at this place. You know, everybody has it. You know, people start bringing up spirituality or I need God in meetings. And like, you need to talk to Dom. You know, I don't even know who some of these people are, and I have them calling me. And then I tell them, hey, come to church, and then I don't hear from them again. But anyway, you know, that's a whole other story. But, you know, I've watched my life grow. And I need to watch my life continue to grow. You know, if I get stagnant or if I stop working on me, if I stop doing the things that I know that I'm supposed to be doing, and I, I start going around my mountain again. You know, and certain mountains need to, to die. And maybe that's why I'm working on one. But anyway, <clears throat> Mark 14:36 says, Watch and pray so that you don't fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the body is weak. You know, and I think that most of us want what God would have for us, but yet, you know, we get in our own way sometimes. You know, so I think that it's important that we're praying. You know, I think that it's important that we're in our word. I think that it's important that we have people in our lives that, you know, that we are, you know, talking to, you know, and if necessary, you know, helping us to, to be held accountable in certain areas that we continue to fall short. In. So you just bow your heads with me. Lord, I thank you so much. I thank you for all that you're doing. I just ask that you just continue to, to guide us, you know, help us to overcome in these areas, help us to use these tools to, to live our lives differently, help us to, to put you in the center of our lives, Lord. Help us to be praying and reading. You know, we, we desperately desire change, Lord, but yet we get in our own way. So, Lord, help us to surrender ourselves to you and allow your will to truly Take us from where we are to where you would have us to go. You know, help us to, to grow and, and to heal. Help us to be healthy. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen, amen, amen.